0: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. We have roses out front, by the way, for you who are mothers. Please take one. We have that for you because we actually I celebrate Mother's Day every day. I mean, I love my mom. Uh, I love my wife and her being a mom to my kids. And so just thank you that it's Mother's Day. Make sure you thank your moms, and if you don't have a mom, that's a miracle. So I don't know it's possible not to have a mom or a dad, but hey. Anyway, I hope you're all doing well. Um, we have been trying very hard to every week the elders and myself contact everybody in the church. I know I do at least once a week. I get through the whole phone book and I call you and I say hi and see how you're doing if we don't get a hold of you somehow or some way please don't hesitate you can give us a call we're here you can call me on my cell phone my phone number's on the internet and so you can always call me and talk to me i'm here hopefully and i'll be able to talk to you as well i'm praying for all of us in this time of need and trials and i'm asking god for wisdom for us and for Our government and for just everything in this whole situation so I hope that uh, you guys are doing the same thing and that you're praying constantly praying without ceasing with that being said why don't we go ahead and pray heavenly father we come to you today Lord with hearts open to hear your word father I've been reading through all these different Books of the Bible, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Revelation. In my quiet times, Lord, I've just been listening to what you were saying to the nations. I I want us, Lord, to really truly understand what this life is all about. I think of Ecclesiastes and how it's just meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And Lord... Knowing you is far from meaningless. Following you and your will is far from meaningless. As Paul said to the Philippian church, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Lord, I just pray that we would have that mindset, that we would be a Jew to the Jews and a Gentile to the Gentiles, like he was. That we would be a light as Christians to the world. That we would be the hope to the world. Heavenly Father, I just also think of a man who's influenced my life and I never even physically met him. But we lift up Robbie Zacharias to you. We pray for his wife and his family. The man has influenced so many people. In Christendom. To always be prepared. To give an account. For the hope that's in us. Doing it with gentleness and reverence. So Lord we just pray that. As we live this life. As we run this race. We really truly look to you. For understanding. For wisdom. For truth. And we would share that truth. With everyone we come in contact with. Because this life is short. Many of us live 70, maybe 80 years, maybe 90 years, but we don't live much farther than that, or further than that. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would look to you. We would always be looking to you and your salvation that you gave us. And as we're about to look at temptation and sin, Lord, I just pray that we understand what temptation is, We understand what sin is, and we understand the way to get out of all of those things. Lord, we want to glorify you in all that we do and say, so we give this time to you. If it's not from you, take it from me. Don't allow me to say it. Lord, help me to preach the word. Help me to preach the truth in boldness. Thank you for this time. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the book of James and we have been studying the New Testament Proverbs that's what this is the New Testament Proverbs So last week we looked at James chapter 1 verses 9 through 12 and we talked about the lowly brother Those who are poor And they need to realize in their poverty That there's one thing greater than money That's Jesus Christ And if they're Christians, they have God. I mean, think about that for a moment. They are heirs. They have an inheritance to the kingdom, the creator of the world's kingdom. I mean, does that not blow your mind? We think about being a part of royalty families. We think about being a part of... Maybe the Trump family or George Soros families or these might Bill Gates family. All these different families that have a lot of money. We think that'd be great. We have the ability to be a part of the creator's family. And that inheritance is given to us. And so he tells them the lowly brothers, the poor people, they need to realize in their poverty that they have been exalted. In their exaltation, they need to be joy in that. So we should boast in our exaltation when it comes to our poverty. He then moves on to the rich person. He talks about them needing to le- realize that they need to be humble in their riches. Many today have wealth and they like to flaunt their wealth. They like to flaunt around and show people how important they are and how much stuff they have. And We were just watching a show the other night. I think it was last night, Katie and I. And it was about a traveling man. And it's a guy who goes around and he went to Miami. And he was on a boat that was $100 to rent the boat for this guide. And the guide was taking him around Miami and showing him these yachts that are parked there. And one of the yachts was a couple hundred million dollars. And it was $50,000 a night to park the yacht on the waterfront. And Katie turns to me and goes, who has that kind of money? And I said, I don't. I don't know and he's driving in this boat and he's looking and he sees oh that's Sean Combs home P dad P. Diddy's home and we know that he's there when they have cushions out on the benches for people it's just amazing to me how many people want to flaunt their wealth and show how important they they are and and God is saying you can't God is not saying excuse me you can't have money because Abraham was rich David was rich Job was rich but you need to be humble in your riches you need to give those who are in need yes and take care of yourselves yes but make sure you're asking God what you would have him do with his money we'll get into more of that later in James when we talk about every good and every perfect gift comes from God lastly we talked about riches fading away but the man who's steadfast under trials is blessed and they get the crown of life Jesus Christ we get the only guy to die be resurrected and never die again you get Jesus Christ James says earlier in the chapter that we can be complete in Jesus Christ, lacking in nothing. Remember what the psalm says in Psalm one hundred and nineteen, seventy-one. 71. It's good for me that I was afflicted. It's good for me that I was afflicted, that I have trials, that I have pains, that I might learn your decrees and statutes. God is allowing us to be inflicted so we can turn to him in times of trials avoid the sugar-coated gospel seek the gospel that rips up wounds and even kills for that's the gospel that makes us alive again that's charles spurgeon too many preachers are willing to preach that message today anymore they want to preach the idea of you can have your best life and have it now you can have health and wealth and prosperity let me help you guys understand something god is about taking you away from yourself and giving you him We don't want it for some reason Because here's the thing we're gonna see today. We're gonna look at two things. We're gonna look at temptation and we're gonna look at sin That being said, let's look at the passage Says this James chapter 1 verses 13 through 15 Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Let me break this down for you. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. We are all tempted at some point in time in life. All of us have been tempted. We're tempted by various things and various issues. Some are tempted by alcohol. Some are tempted by drugs. Some are tempted by food. Some are tempted by sex. Some by lying. Some by cheating, some by stealing, some by music, some by TV and movies. There are many different temptations that we encounter in this life. So what is temptation? What is temptation? The Greek word here is perasos. It means to entice, to improper behavior, to put to the test. This is not something God does because it goes against his very nature. He doesn't tempt you to the point of improper behavior. He can't do it. He's appalled at evil so much he can't even look at. Habakkuk 1.13 says that. The word in that in Hebrew is to look or condone wrongdoing. He can't even do it. This is what evil does. In the Garden of Eden, the devil tempted Eve with the fruit and she saw that it was good for food, was attractive to the eye, and was desirable for making one wise. She took the fruit and ate it. That's exactly what temptation is for everyone. You see it with your eyes, you justify it with your mind, and then you act on the temptation knowing that it's wrong to do and you do it anyway. we've all been there none of us are exempt from temptation i'm going to share a survey that was done by a journal and they asked people what was the greatest area of temptation in their lives was it materialism was it pride was it self-centeredness was it laziness anger bitterness sexual lust envy gluttony or lying Eighty-one percent said the only reason they fell into these very issues was they neglected their time with God. Eighty-one percent fell in those areas because they neglected their time with God. They didn't want to know who God was. Fifty-seven percent said they fell into these temptations because they were tired. Over half of people fell into one of these temptations because they were tired. 76% said that they needed help avoiding being in compromising situations three-fourths 66% said that the bible study helped them 52% that they having an accountability partner helped them now i want you to know that temptation is hard it isn't easy and it's hard not to give into it when these four things are present. I'm gonna share these four things with you because I hope that they're a practical application for us today on how not to fall into temptations. So if you're taking notes, this is what you'd wanna write down. Because I'm gonna help you run to God. But you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to have the will to want to do this to run to God in this temptation. Here are the four areas you need to do. You need to halt when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, or when you're tired. Stop whatever you're doing, halt, because when you are these four things, you have a susceptibility to want to sin. Again, it doesn't mean it's the same kind of sin. Sometimes when you're hungry you might overeat. Sometimes when you're angry, you might do something you don't want to do like lie or have bitterness. Man's anger does not produce God's righteousness. So you need to halt. Halt what you're doing. If you're feeling like you're being tempted, that's usually because you're hungry, angry or you're tired. So go to God. If you feel yourself lonely at night, stop what you're doing. Don't go on the internet. If you're tired, stop what you're doing and start praying. The most important aspect of being an accountability partner is sharing prayer with the person and confidence with the person so call your accountability partner if you're angry call your accountability partner if you're hungry look to God if you have any of these things most importantly pray see Jesus tells us to talk to God when these things happen in our lives it's his teaching of the Sermon on the Mount Matthew chapter 6 our Father who's in heaven hallowed be your name Or holy be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here again is that same word. Lead us not into the testing of our faith. That's what Jesus is telling us to do here. Lead us not into the testing of our faith. Because the temptations that are coming, we're too weak to overcome them. So help us out. It's a cry for help. Deliver us from the evil one. That's what Jesus is saying here. Not that God leads us into temptations, but he's asking us to help us. Jesus is saying, ask God to help us get through these temptations. Because God does test our character. He tests our faith. He wants to know, are you going to choose right from wrong? Are you gonna choose him over your own desires God tests Satan tempts Satan tempts us with anything that could take us away from the presence of God Paul talks about the sin nature inside us as well and how much of a wretched man he is in the book of Romans He says this, I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ. It's a fact that the Lord does regularly send tests and trials to his people so that they know their spiritual condition. Asking God to not lead us into the testing of our faith means that we ask him to not test us because we already are aware of how very weak we are. That's what James is talking about here in this passage. God tempts, or tempts no one. God tempts no one. However, verses 14 and 15 sums it up pretty good on who gives temptation and what it produces. Look at chapter, or look at verse 14. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desires. Each person is tempted when he is lured and desired by his own, his own desires. Each person, all of us, that's the problem here. It's not God who tempts us, it's each person, our desires to run from God. We all have desires. We all act on them. Outside of God's will and not with God or against God, we then are going to produce sin, which he's going to talk about in chapter 15 or verse 15. Augustine put it this way. Sin comes when we take a perfectly natural desire or longing or ambition and try to desperately fulfill it without God. Not only is it sin, it's a perverse distortion of the image of God in us. All these good things, all of our security are rightly found only and completely in him. God cannot produce or promote sin. However, he does allow for sin to occur so he can accomplish his higher purpose. Let me give you an example of God working inside our sin. There's a young man named Joseph. He's got a father he's got all the brothers you can read about this story in Genesis and his father favors him over the other brothers and inside this story Joseph has the ability to interpret dreams and he goes to his father and he says to him hey I had a dream you and my brothers are gonna worship me Come to me. Serve me. You're going to need me. And it really upsets his brothers. They get really angry about it. So one day the brothers have an opportunity to get rid of Joseph. Because they don't like that their father loved him more. In fact, Joseph shared his dreams with his brothers and his fathers. About serving him. And that really upset him. The brothers were angry about it. I want you to understand something here. This is not some strangers. This is not someone from outside his family. This is his own family members. And they're mad at him. Mad to the point that some of them want to kill him. And they actually get to the point where they can. One of the older brothers says, no, 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 wait. Let's sell him. Let's sell him into slavery. And then we'll tell our dad that he was killed. Because we don't like him. So each person they have their own desires, and when their desires are outside of God's will, it turns into sin. So they try to murder their younger brother. Instead of murdering, they say, you know what, I'm not gonna do it. So they decide to sell him. And then he lives a messed-up life. Let me just tell you about this guy's life. He goes and he has to work as a slave for someone and that slave owner's wife says he slept with her even though he didn't he says I didn't do it and she says yes he did and so then he gets thrown in jail and he's in jail and he interprets dreams for a couple high-up guys in Pharaoh's court And Inside that he says to the dreams for the guys. This is what's going to happen to you And they're like, okay, great And Joseph says to him. Hey, remember me They get out Exactly what he dreamt what they dreamt happened and his interpretations were 100% clear and true and came right And the next thing, you know they forget about him the one guy does The other guy gets killed. The one guy forgets about him for two years. He's stuck in that prison. And then finally the Pharaoh of Egypt starts having dreams. And no one can interpret the dreams. And this guy says, Hey, I remember that Jewish guy that can interpret dreams. And he comes to him and he says to him, Hey, what is this dream? And long story short, Joseph figured out everything that was going to happen with famines and with plenty. And he becomes the second in command in Egypt. And there's a famine in the land. And then his brothers, because the father says, go to Egypt because they got food and get us some food. And they don't even recognize Joseph anymore. The brothers get there and they have no clue who he is. And the next thing you know, he says to them, I'll give you the food, but you need to leave one of your brothers behind. Shockingly, the brothers agree to this I mean how crazy is that they're willing to give up a brother for food yep that's what they did so he goes through this whole thing and then they come back Joseph knows who they are and they have no clue who he is and he trades the food for them and then he asks for the youngest brother And then he says, bring my father with him too. And he reveals himself to his brothers. And the long and short of it is this. These guys had sin. They had a desire to want to get rid of their brother because they didn't like him. In fact, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Genesis 52. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many lives. God allows sin in our lives And allows us to sin so his greater or higher purpose can be accomplished sometimes. The verse right there is one of my favorite. And and the ESV puts it this way. As for you, you meant it evil against me. That's what sin really is. It's evil. But God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What does evil bring about? Look at the last verse. Then the desires... The, hate- the hatefulness, the evil that people do, when the desire, when it has conceived and gives birth to sin, and when sin, it's fully grown, gives birth to death. That's what happens here. When we sin, when our desires move away from God's will, it becomes sin, and sin becomes death for us. It's for everybody. Romans 3.23 says, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all of us have sinned, whether it's one time that your sweet grandmother sinned or it's 500,000 times like Jeffrey Dahmer sinned. We all miss the target. We all sin. And it says in Romans 6, 23 that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says that all God's gifts and callings are irrevocable, which means he won't take them back. 2 Timothy 3:13 says, if we are faithless, he, God, Jesus Christ, remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this: For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 5-15 says this, which I'm never going to stop quoting. For Moses wrote about the righteousness that's based on the law, that the person who does the commandment shall live by them, For with the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they aren't sent? As it's written, how beautiful their feet of those who preach the good news. I can tell you one thing, my feet aren't beautiful. I'm not a foot guy. I don't like feet. They're gross. But hey, God says they're beautiful. If you go and preach the word that's the real thing I want you guys to understand never stop preaching Jesus Christ to the world I won't stop I'm not gonna give in I'm not gonna let some trial some disease some evil in this world stop me from preaching the truth we need to start walking by faith not by sight sin is rampant today of all men under the age of 30 watch pornography on the internet. 97% watch it. The other 3% lied about not watching it. They think that's what sex is all about and they bring that baggage into their relationships. The internet was a great idea and yet because of our own desires. We've changed into something that it's not supposed to be. People let their own desires grow into sin and sin leads that right into death. Even know it or care to know it because they don't want to know who God is. They think God is some kind of killjoy. That God takes away all people's fun. No, people take away people's fun. They say you can't do this or that and they try to use scripture to justify their position. That's one of the biggest problems in Christianity today self-righteousness using scripture to say something it doesn't say please stop doing that seek Jesus seek his answers ask the Holy Spirit to interpret scripture for you read the Word of God Paul said I, in Romans 12 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. We don't want to do that. Many in Christendom don't want to do what God is asking them to do. And I'm saying, guys, we've got to. There's no other way start studying the word get to know who god is in an intimate loving way it's not about perfection by the way none of us including myself can read the word of god all the time and be perfect with it we mess up i can tell you now i don't have perfect theology but there are too many i know who don't even read the word who don't want to know what the word says and they want to blame christianity I've never hated a gay person in my entire life yet for some reason because I say that God's word says sex inside of marriage between a man and a woman is hateful no it's not it's his word whether you like it or not whether I like it or not I have to follow his word and the only way I can follow his word is It's by studying and reading and asking. When you come to God, He gives you the greatest gift you can ever want or need. He gives you Himself. The Creator of the whole world says, I want to know you and be a part of your life and love you well and give you good things and give you the desires of your hearts. But once you become a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ, your desires start to change to his desires, to his wants. People take the eye off the prize all the time. And when we do, all too often it becomes sin, and sin ultimately separates us from God. Turn to Jesus, and you're going to find that sex is great inside of marriage not on your phone I'm talking to you young men I'm even talking 23% of young females are watching pornography now the study said turn to Jesus you're gonna find that your desires start to change to his desires in his ways Roger Ellsworth put it this way God our Heavenly Father also gives us freedom permitting the potential for us to produce evil so that we can grow and learn responsibility. When we choose wrongly and fail, we endure the consequences of our errors. God uses our failures to strengthen us and to bring us into more of maturity and incompleteness into spiritual adulthood. We get an opportunity to know who God is through our failures. My son and I had a great conversation a couple nights ago. And he started crying. He desires everyone he knows and loves to know Jesus it made him sad because I was sharing with him that many who don't know Jesus are going to have weeping and gnashing of teeth in the end wide is the gate to destruction and narrow is righteousness and many people even in Christendom don't know who Jesus is they don't know their Bible and so he's crying and he's saying, Dad, I really want to help those who I love come to know Jesus. I said, son, you can only tell them what he's done for you. You can share the truth of how he's changed your life. But you need to let God do the work. You can plant the seed, you can water with the truth of God, But God's the one who makes it grow. So you can't force them to become something that they don't want to be. And he was really upset about that. He said, here's the thing, bud. The most important aspect of all of this, get to know who God is, read your word, pray for those who you love. You desire that they want to come to know Jesus. Pray that God will change their heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Because Christianity is never about bad people becoming good people. It's about spiritually dead people becoming alive. Pray that there would be workers who are willing to do the same thing you are wanting to do. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, Jesus tells us in Matthew 9, 37. So pray that God would bring workers to the harvest. Because there are many out there who want to know who Jesus is. But not many people are willing to go out there and share Christ because they're afraid. Or they're nervous. Or they don't want to offend. I don't know what their motives are necessarily. But I can tell you this much. In boldness, God will give you the words to say and the things to say in order for people to know who Jesus is. You know, it was really hard because I wanted to take my son's pain away. I wanted to take that sadness away from him. I wanted to tell him that everyone's going to be in heaven, that all roads lead to Rome, but it's just not true. So I know he needed to learn something from God, and he needed to run to God in that time. So I prayed, and I said, run to God, because as your father, I'm going to fail you. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to do something dumb. I just want you to know that God will never fail you. God will never screw up. God will always be there for you. So I wanted him to learn in that moment in time that as he's going through this trial in his life, that as he's trying to share Christ with all his friends and with all his family members, that God's the one who's going to do the growing for him. But he just, needs to, he just needs to pray. Just like we all need to. When life gets tough, when sin gets tough, when our desires come into our lives, when the temptations are there, we need to stop what we're doing. We're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Turn to God, turn to our accountability partners so that our sin, our desire doesn't turn into sin. Our temptation doesn't turn into sin. That's the message James is telling us. So with that, let me pray for us. We pray as a nation that we look to God for truth and understanding. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we just pray, Lord. We pray, Father God, that people would understand that giving into their own desires... Giving into their own desires, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And like you said, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. He was the ultimate sacrifice for us. You required a payment for the penalty of sin. You required the blood of an innocent lamb, and that's exactly the title of Jesus Christ the Lamb of God, who is fully innocent. The Roman government couldn't find anything wrong with him, but the desire that was conceived in those people at the time gave birth to sin, and they wanted him crucified. They didn't want to know who he was. They didn't want to follow his ways Lord. I pray as a church. We would want to follow your ways. I Thank you that you remain faithful when we are faithless I thank you Lord that You showed your love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us It's not about perfection It's not about knowing all the theology perfectly. It's not about even being understanding of all that, but it's knowing your good and perfect will. By the mercies of God, like Paul prayed, I pray that we live with our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Lord, I pray that this church would not be conformed to this world any longer, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have the mind of Christ when we believe in Jesus. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13. So I pray that the testing may discern what is the will of God in our lives. What is the good, acceptable, and perfect will? Lord, give us you. And help us to want you. And forgive us when we sin, as we forgive those who sin against us. And Lord, lead us not into testing of our faith, because we're too weak. We're too weak to handle the testing, but deliver us from the evil one. I pray that for this church. I pray that for this government. I pray that for the United States of America and the world. We lift this time to you. We thank you for all that you do. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I just want to say thank you again and happy Mother's Day to everybody. Hopefully we'll see you next week. May God bless you all.